Trends and technology, processes and products. We cover these areas and more coming up on the cutting edge of cannabis. Be informed from the latest initiators of new innovation. Learn about the latest breakthroughs and best practices in the cannabis and hemp industries. Better products, better infrastructure, and better sustainability. The cutting edge of cannabis, consulted by the American Cannabis Company, starts now. Welcome to the cutting edge of cannabis. I'm your host, Ellis Smith, and today we're going to be speaking with Will Clyden, founder and CEO of Ojai Energetics which makes a CBD supplement with the proprietary absorption technology that is fast acting and the most bioavailable. And you can check out uh, one of the past podcasts with Will. Uh, we had him on before. And then also we've got Stephen Kotler, who is a New York Times bestselling author, an award-winning journalist, and the executive director of the research of the Flow Research Collective. Stephen is one of the world's leading experts on human performance. And if you have not read any of his books, I encourage you to pick one up and read about the mind-bending topics he keeps winning awards for. So guys, welcome. I'm super excited to have you guys here today. Good to be with you. Stoked to be back. All right, Will, Stephen, thank you so much. So uh, let's kind of give a little bit of definition for our audience of what flow is defined. And I believe, Stephen, you've been quoted as saying it's an optimal state of consciousness, moments of rapt attention and total absorption when you get so focused on the task at hand that everything else disappears. So really talking about peak human performance. And today we're going to throw in cannabis as that catapult on how we can either get to flow or maintain that flow. And so uh, pretty neat to see that two different organizations have come together, the Ojai Energetics and Flow Research Collective. And you're now doing work with UCLA and researching the effects of cannabis and flow. So if you guys could give me a little uh, understanding of what you guys are doing with UCLA and what your end goal is by understanding flow and cannabis. Over the past 20 years, uh, neuroscience has been advancing very quickly. So this has enabled researchers to peer under the hood of flow for the very first time to sort of see where it's coming from, why it's coming. And what we've discovered overlays with, with what kind of there's almost 50, 60 years of anecdotal evidence for, which is kind of there's, there's similarities between some of what flow does in the brain and some of what cannabis does in the brain. Not a lot, but there's a little. And anecdotally, people have been using cannabis uh, as a way to try to accelerate their passage into flow. And they've been doing this, you know, going back in the 40s and 50s and jazz musicians, it was, it was famous there. Uh, I started puzzling through this question when I started realizing that some of the world's top action and adventure sports athletes were using marijuana as a, what in, in, in performance enhancing capacities. They weren't trying to get stoned. They were trying to be better athletes. And nobody, nobody was really talking about this out loud. I wrote an article about it years ago for Men's Journal, almost 15 years ago, I think. And I think it was the, one of the first times anybody had, had said out loud, hey, cannabis looks like it could be a little bit of a peak performance drug. We should look at this. And all we're doing, you know, the Flow Research Collective, we, we just like to partner with the best researchers we possibly can. And Will and Ojai are, they not only have, you know, really high quality product, but they're ferociously devoted to the science, right? They're a, they're a biotech company disguised as a cannabis company. And that's very different than from just being a cannabis company. And so they were a very good 
research partner for us. Um, we also, as you mentioned, like to partner with academic institutions and get IRB reviews and things like that. And all we're doing is we're at the very front end, and I don't think we've learned really anything yet, um, of a very long research project to try to decode the anecdotal evidence. Why can cannabis be used to act flow? We think it has a lot to do with how it impacts the endocannabinoid system and anandamide. Um, it's a little bit of dopamine. There's some other stuff going on. Um, but we think, you know, one, this will give us a better understanding of flow itself. Two, it could possibly end up leading to some protocols, some ways to kind of accelerate our entrance into the state of flow. So that's sort of where we are and what we're doing. And um, as I said, we're at the front end. We've got a, a long way to go. Um, we had a really aggressive research agenda sort of laid out for this spring and summer and uh, got squashed by COVID. Uh, but uh, so we're sort of a little bit on pause um, until we can actually start running experiments in the real world again. All right. Well, hate to see that COVID has kind of put a stop sign up for us, but hopefully you guys can get back to work and start to help us explain more what's going on. And so you you mentioned about um, flow and cannabis have similar kind of things that are going on in the brain. Let's talk about the hippie speedball and some stuff <laughs> I heard you talk about with how this is really, you know, the this, this, this is the cocktail that's the closest you can get to a pharmacological reproduction of flow. Please explain that to me. <laughs> well, the hippie cock, uh, the hippie speedball is about 20 to 40 minutes of uh, sort of physical exercise. You basically want to exercise until it gets quiet upstairs that's known as exercise-induced transient hypofrontality. Hypofrontality is the deactivation of large swashes of the prefrontal cortex. So that happens in flow uh, regularly, and, and all you're doing is getting exercise to prompt you to that point. Once you're there, if you add a cup of coffee, um, which may not – nobody's exactly certain what the coffee is doing. The week, a lot of open questions – there are people who say, hey, cough, caffeine can push endorphins into your system. That may or may not be true. It may just be a good focus enhancer, and flow tends to follow focus. So that's a good thing. And followed by um, what we used to call sativa, that's not really an accurate term anymore, but we basically mean um, any brand of cannabis that's got the terpenes in it to produce a big spike in dopamine. And the combination of dopamine, which you'll get from certain terpenes, right, um, or what people used to associate with sativa, it's the, it's the met more mental high, um, and anandamide, coupled to these other things, they mimic a lot, not all of at all by any stretch of the imagination, but a lot of what's going on in the brain and flow. So it's not a guaranteed entrance into flow by any stretch of the imagination. You still have to sort of know what you're doing. There's some flow triggers you have to kind of apply on the back end um, and some other stuff, but that's what the hippie speedball is. And it's called that because it's been, uh, it's, it was nicknamed, I think by action sport athletes. I mean, I heard it first in skiing um, and it, you know, people used to go get a shot of espresso and then, smoke a joint on the chairlift, right? They'd ski like their warm-up runs. <laughs> then they'd yep. stop at a mountain coffee stop, get a shot of espresso and smoke a joint on the chairlift. And that was the hippie speedball. And 
I, you know, uh, I, I should tell the story that sort of opened the door in this because it's it's where all this started for me. I was uh, early days as a journalist. I don't know who I was working for at the time. I can't remember. Possibly one of the ski magazines, but we were covering. I was doing a story on Squaw Valley. Is we had early ups, meaning they opened the gondola an hour and a half earlier for a bunch of filmmakers and photographers and journalists and professional athletes, and we went on up to the top of the Palisades, which is kind of the famous crown of Squaw Valley, where the cliffs are, you know, thirty to a hundred feet tall, and the skiing is incredibly steep, and it's um, it's really one of skiing's sort of classic showboat extreme areas, and. We were up there at 6.30 in the morning. It's got to be 20 below. It's so cold. And we're getting ready to jump off 80-foot cliffs. And there's a whole bunch of guys. It's only Actually, there's a couple of women up there, too, at the time. Um, and they're all huddled in the one spot up on the top of the palace. There's just a little weather station up there. And behind it, there's cover from the wind. Back they're trying to smoke a bowl. I don't know what's going on. It's, I mean, like, they're literally about to risk their lives for the camera. And... You know, at, at this point, I think, oh, my God, that, you know, you're, what are you doing? And one of the guys, I asked somebody and they said, look, this helps all of us get into the zone. We didn't even call it flow at that time. It was the zone, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Helps us drop into the zone faster um, and we don't have time for warm-up laps. That's what they said to me. And I thought, oh, my God, that is really a weird, how weird is that, right? Like life-threatening circumstances where you really don't want to screw around, right? Um <clears throat> and they're using marijuana, this hippie speedball, as a as a performance enhancement cocktail. And I was trying to figure it out. By the way, you have to hike to the Palisades, so that was the exercise portion of it. The gondola only takes you so far, so everybody sort of like hiked up, and they were drinking coffee out of thermoses and smoking joints. It was the hippie speedball. <laughs> Thank you for that explanation. Uh, very common in action sports. Uh, I've been a ski bum for over 24 years, and uh, the hippie speedball is part of our rhetoric, part of our reality, and uh, it's what makes, I think, being out in the mountains playing so much damn fun. Um, right. Let's take a quick break, guys. Um, and when we come back, we're going to continue speaking with Stephen Kotler and Will Clyden. Time to cut to commercial. More of the cutting edge of cannabis is coming up. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at shoogies.com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take anywhere treat. Plant Profits. I'm Vern Davis, and I'd like to introduce you to some of the most forward thinking executives and companies in the cannabis industry. We call them the Plant Profits. Each week on Plant Profits, we talk to the people at the forefront of the industry, creating real companies and career opportunities. We'll learn from the people leading the charge into the promised land of profit. Plant Profits is powered by Protus Global, people solutions firm that has been building companies, changing lives since 1995. P-R-O-T-I-S global.com, Protus Global. Find Plant Profits now at CannabisRadio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA free and lead free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the US. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. The cutting edge of cannabis now continues only on cannabisradio.com. Welcome back. Today we're talking about cannabis and flow. So we're just talking about the hippie speedball. What is it in cannabis that is helping us get to flow or helping us get to that, that place quicker and faster and maintain it. Is it the THC? Is it the CBD? Is it the cannabinoids or is it even the terpenes or is it a combination of all of those? What is it that's making these neurotransmitters get into the, the groove and put you into that flow state? And so Will, I'll, I'll direct this to you since you're kind of the, the cannabinoid expert here. Yeah. Uh, so we, we don't know yet, right? Uh, we, we can have, we have hypothesis, hypotheses uh, of the different mechanisms of, of action. Um, Stephen touched on the unique relationship with terpenes and cannabinoids and that terpenes are like little tugboats to the cannabinoids and they kind of direct them to particular actions in the body. And so limonene and pinene tends to be more dopamine uh, producing, enhancing uh, terpenes. And then uh, so that's really what, what we're going to be, as, as Stephen mentioned, we're at the, the very beginning of, of the rabbit hole of uh, this research. And, and, and most likely it's going to be an entourage effect and then different ratios. We're going to look at these certain cannabinoids work better at the beginning, uh, maintaining. All of those questions uh, are yet to be answered. And we have some, some ideas of exploration that we need the, uh, the data to, to start to back that up. Well, I can't wait to learn more from what you guys um, have researched. Um, my, my background, I used to make ski films for a living. I'm an avalanche forecaster and snow scientist by trade. Uh, worked all over Alaska, Argentina, Central Asia. So I get it. I designed a life around chasing flow. And cannabis use was part of that. And as I got into business, I tried to bring that flow into the business world day to day. And I'm really trying to figure out how to hack what I could do in action sports and bring that into the office setting every day. And I want to know, what are you guys seeing out there as far as people using cannabis and flow to bring into this, um, this business world that most people in its stigmas would frown upon knowing that these two are combined in the, work, in the workplace? I, I, I use, particularly if, it, if it's during the work day, for me, I, I work better with high CBD low THC, but THC present needed for entourage. Um, and, and definitely notice utilizing the, the hippie speedball. Uh, uh, it helps me a lot um, to, to, to get into flow. Well, I, I, think, I, I think you have to address it at a, at a much wider, from a much wider perspective, which yep. is, it, you know, as soon as marijuana got legalized in California and Nevada, 
I started going to business meetings where like they're getting cannabis deliveries in the meeting and people, <laughs> right. I, I, I'm seeing more and more tech companies, you know, people sort of sneaking outside to smoke pot, you know, cause it helps them code. And, you know, so like clearly it's being used for cognitive enhancement, especially for, you know, often for creative thinking, yep. um, in the workforce and has for a very long time. This isn't, this isn't, it's not particularly East Coast, but it's very West Coast. Think about, I mean, the music industry, the coding industry, the video game industry, Silicon Valley in general, these are, these are cultures that are actually built around flow, but there's been a lot of cannabis use in them historically as well. And, you know, we're saying, Will and I, Hey, that's probably not accidental. Let's try to figure out what this is and, and what this means and why. And, right. But the fact that, you know, these can be used as, as tools in, in a business environment is not surprising. And especially in the 21st century, when I literally an hour ago just had a call, uh, just did a podcast with, uh, I want to say it was a very large group of corporate finance guys, right? Very, very men and women, very conservative organization. And we weren't talking about cannabis, but they were talking about the most important thing for them in their jobs in the 21st century is creativity. And we're talking about flow and creativity. And you don't have to poke too far into the creativity literature history, whatever, just start going, hey, wait a minute, there's a, there's a significant overlap between creativity, cannabis, and flow. So, um, and top executives like having an edge. So, you know, that people are going to start exploring this on their own anyways, as the substance becomes, you know, more illegal. Will maybe, you know what I mean? Will Will's cocktail of, of a CBD dominant profile might work for some people, but I, you know, I think, what we're learning is that in the 21st century, most of the skills that we require, and we didn't, we didn't, we weren't very good at training in the 20th century. In the 20th century, we focused on skill sets. Most of the skills we need in the 21st century are actually created through state shifts in the brain. Yeah. Right? We alter our. If we want to be more creative, we our consciousness shifts. Creativity is a different state of being, in a sense. It's a state change, and. So a lot of the skills that we need in the 21st century are sort of tapped into that way. And so there's, you know, just like there were a whole bunch of 20th century tools for doing what we wanted to do, you know, in the office then, there's going to be a whole set of 21st century tools. And at least in the early portion, it looks like cannabis is playing that role. And, and I, I think it's in, to, to add is, is, is historically, until pro, we're living in the anomalous period of prohibition of cannabis, whereas before that, it was, it was even socially acceptable uh, in, in, in most places on the planet. And so actually just recently, uh, a study came out showing that they, they went back to uh, these incense holders at a temple in Jerusalem or Israel uh, that previously the, the analytical uh, testing equipment wasn't able to s determine what the compounds were in these incense holders at the front of the temple. They just went back and found that one of them contained frankincense and the other one contained cannabis with uh, a, a high amount of THC and CBD uh, ratios. And, and, and likely that was part of entering the temple and they would um, 
so anyways, there, there's a plethora of historical usage. And so it, it, we're really, we've been in the anomalous period. Um, and now it's good that we're, we're exiting that and coming back to something that has likely been with us from a performance enhancing and, and overall n- knowing now what the endocannabinoid system's job is, which is regulating homeostatic balance, which just means it's like the conductor of the body's symphony of parts. Uh, if you've got that system optimized and, 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 and well uh, nourished, you're going to be able to maintain balance and transition in states much more effectively uh, is, the, is the hypothesis. So it's, it's, it's coming back into vogue in essence, but it was, it's kind of a, an ancient thing that's not really new. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that comment about it being a tool for the 21st century is very relevant. The stigma is lifting. We are in this time of change and prohibition, like you said, and generations before, centuries before, this was very common. It wasn't frowned upon uh, for cannabis use. And I think what's happened with um, it being illegal for the last 70 plus years uh, and this paradigm shift we're in now, we're going to start to see this become more normal. The stigma is going to go away. And that's where I, I feel we're going to start to see these corporate cultures shift and change. I can tell you at my company, we have shifted and changed the way we look at cannabis use. I don't want my staff going and sneaking to their car and consuming and coming back in. I know what you're doing. So we create a platform for them in our office. It's called the launch pad. And the launch pad is really like a war room. When you want to go consume, you go consume, but it really turns into a place where it's not a place where you play grab ass and talk smack about what you're going to do on Friday night. It's about business and what we're doing. And it really enhances wait, wait. conversation. You guys play grab ass at your company? I didn't think we did that anymore in the 21st century. I just, I just got to go back there. So, but that's what kind most, of company are you running there, buddy? See, most people think that, that when you work in a cannabis business, they can't take you serious. And we're trying to break those stigmas and break that down and really show that, you you know, have a free mind, let these folks openly consume as they need to, as long as their performance is not hindered. And what we're seeing is these folks are excelling at what their role is. They're exceeding the expectations we set for them. And we're really breaking down the stigma that most corporate cultures would frown upon immediately. And I think this is the paradigm shift that we're getting into. And as you said, it will be a tool for the 21st century. Do you guys see any organizations out there that are this proactive and allowing their staff to really consume and not frown upon that? Are you seeing this shift as well? Certainly. And particularly, as Stephen mentioned, in, in Silicon Valley, I mean, when when jobs came out and, and, and touched upon as even psychedelic use, we're seeing uh, as being a creative input for, for his um, geniuses. Uh, there's a plethora of companies in Silicon Valley who uh, recommend and support uh, conscious altering substances for performance. I love it. Let's take another quick break, you guys, and we'll come back. We'll continue speaking about cannabis and flow. Time to cut to commercial. More of the cutting edge of cannabis is coming up. It's time to hemp present. I am going to titillate your audio orifices with weekly radio rendezvous with some of the premier movers, shakers, and history makers of the cannabis community. Radio resident hempo sapien Vivian McPeak. I will be putting out a call to action on the issues of the day and putting your interests under the big lights as I provide cannabis commentary and weekly interviews that go straight for the nugular. Marijuana! Hemp presents only on Cannabis Radio. Sweet 
Oh, lady marijuana llama, tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put different celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin and Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Himping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Pempire, a show dedicated to exploring the many potential therapeutic uses of the cannabis plant. Once a cornerstone of healing and now making a heroic comeback. Cannabis has the potential to promote health and well-being, bring the body back to homostasis, and foster recovery for a healthier way of living. Hempire focuses on a diverse range of serious health issues, presenting views ranging from those of patients and their loved ones through those of researchers and medical professionals. Welcome to Hempire. The cutting edge of cannabis now continues, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. I've got Steve and Will here uh, talking about flow and cannabis. And so, guys, tell me your personal experience, even with uh, CBD or cannabinoids and its role in human performance. Um, you know, I so let me be really, really, really clear about how I think about human performance. And I've, and I've maintained this for a really long time. Everything we mean by peak performance is nothing fancier than getting your biology to work for you rather than against you. That's all we're doing in peak performance. Flow is how the brain is designed to perform at its best. And there's just ways to make that work better. That's that's sort of the, the, the game we're playing. And as a, as a corollary to this, this is a preamble. It's a long preamble, but I'm getting to your question. As a corollary to this, there's something we also live by, which is personality doesn't scale. Biology scales. Personality, meaning what works for me, is almost guaranteed not to work for you. That's just nature, nurture, genetics, environment. So I will answer your question, but I also want to point, like I use this answer to this question as a joke when I teach peak performance. Because what I say is, look, folks, personality doesn't scale. Biology scales. If personality scaled... We'd all be skiing through the trees alone, <laughs> listening to hip hop. That's right. 50 miles an hour, stone. Because that's, that's what I do. Right? Like, that's what I do. But yeah. I don't advise anybody else to do that. That's just what you got to be pretty. You, you know, you've made ski films. Like, I go into ghost dog mode. I don't even, like, I'm off in the far edges yes. of the resort in a blizzard. Nobody even knows I'm there. <laughs> if I, I don't have a beacon, if I hit a tree, I'm going to die. You know, if my wife hears this, she's going to be very mad. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, like, like I don't do it. what I do. Seriously, like, you know, I like what we train people in the biology of peak performance. For certain people, that biology, you know what I mean? For certain people, the way you're wired, you personally are wired, cannabis is going to be a great tool for you. It works for me in certain situations. It doesn't work for me in a lot of situations, right? But when I'm writing, not when I'm editing, but when I'm writing, when I'm skiing, I find it a phenomenal tool. I will also point out something else that I, I, I said out loud. Uh, it was at a, at a flow, uh, an earlier flow event that I was at. And there was, we, it was right when we started having 
discussions about mind-altering substances and flow out loud. And there was a guy there, very proud military background, and then a, a present tense life with one of the three-letter agencies that will go unnamed. <laughs> and he got really mad. And he stood up and started screaming at me and said, you know, I, I you know, I, nothing good has ever come from Canada, blah, 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 all that stuff. And I, I stopped. I said, well, why are you here? He's like, well, I read your book, Rise of Superman, and I loved it, and it changed a lot. I kept going. And I said, okay, did you, you, you liked Rise of Superman. I said, that book doesn't happen without cannabis. Like, <laughs> That's that right. does not exist. In fact, no, I don't think any of my books, outside of possibly my first novel, which maybe was wrong with it, could exist without <laughs> cannabis. Right? Like, it. it's just like, honest to God. So I was like, if you hate that, you know what I mean? If you hate this substance and nothing good came of it, I don't know what you're doing at this seminar, right? Like oh, I, like wow. I, I will never recommend cannabis for anybody else. It's totally for me. But in terms of stigmatism, if you like my work, you're liking something that ha- cannabis gave me. You know what I mean? It helped. I love that's a great analogy and example. <laughs> Where do you see the future of CB go, CBD going, Will, and cannabinoid research in general? Yeah, you know, I think we're just we're we're what's amazing is we're just scratching the surface. Uh and simultaneously, in particular, CBD is one of the more actually studied molecules on the planet. It just was predicted wasn't studied a lot in the United States, but it was in Israel and Spain. And and now that research is starting to ramp. Um and fundamentally what it's leading to, given it's it's incredibly safe profile and, and, and particularly in conjunction with the entourage effect of the other minor cannabinoids and terpenes um, is that it, they, they act as, and I'll say micronutrients is my hypothesis to properly nourish our endocannabinoid system. Um, and, and so I, I, it's not going away. I think there's going to be, it, 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 when, when the, as the data continues to demonstrate it, there's no downside and only upside I think it's going to become more and more ubiquitous in, in terms of consumption, just like people think. Yeah, I see. I don't lie to the people. There is that downside. There was that woman in Russia. She turned purple. She sprouted corn. She started quoting the Old Testament. That's right. That's Nobody right. Nobody's Peter Sid. The devil's don't lettuce. Lie I'm about telling the you. Data, man. That's Come right. On. That's right. <laughs> we like to keep that one quiet. I know, um, but people got to know. Yeah. And, uh, yes. And so, so more. More uh, basically ubiquitous consumption, just like vitamin C and omegas, et cetera. Um, and then in terms of the research, I th- we're going to start to look at, at more and more, you know, we've got we, three known cannabinoid receptors right now. C- essentially a CB3 has emerged a few years back and, and there's likely more. And there's only two really identified cannabinoids that our body produces, anandamide and 2-AG, and there's likely more. Uh, and so it's just going to continue to unfold uh, and get more and more nuanced. We, I, the the potential for targeted uh, systems in the body and, and, and therapeutics is going to be massive with exceptionally safe uh, action mechanisms of action. So I, we're, we're we're seeing just the tip of the iceberg. I love to hear that. Tell yeah, me about yeah, but oh. and by the way, the IRB that we got for our cannabinoid study um, is one of the first times um, you've even been able to get one. For, it was CBD, right? And we're not doing looking at THC. Sure, uh, we're not, we have no interest in yeah. violating federal law. Sure, um, at, at this point, right? And it was 
it was an it was a year long process. It was incredibly tricky and complicated, um, but we figured it out. Other people are starting to figure it out. And once that, once people get much more comfortable with our ability to do this research in a, in a you know in a double blind, randomized, controlled way, um, we uh, it's going to explode, as Will pointed out. I can't wait. I'm on the edge of my seat waiting to see what more you guys can educate us on is a huge fascination for me. And I'm sure a lot of people out there will tell me about cannabinoids and space travel. I thought that was pretty interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that was a frontier that, that uh, wasn't touched and and we went after and and I think big, right? Exponential. I mean, we got to think big here, guys. I love it. It, what, what sparked it was I was I actually got a uh, a tour of of SpaceX um, and I was going around and then one of the it, it, there was a three D printer that was printing out a rocket and that was phenomenal like we're just at the tip of the iceberg with Moore's law when it comes to three D printing and then and space science right and 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 they said well you know we have goals to send people to Mars in the next decade and so it seems that far out but in reality it's actually potentially much closer than it appears. Uh, and so knowing that the endocannabinoid system's primary function is homeostatic balance, um, and then there's there's a lot of specific studies on mechanisms of, of action for like bone uh, support growth, dealing with osteoporosis, uh, all sorts of other issues, well. muscles and myelination of nerves, all of these fairly well-documented uh at least in in vitro, but a lot in vivo now, uh, studies on these different specifics, um, it clicked that there's nothing better for an individual going through the stress of space travel uh, than having a healthy endocannabinoid system. So that that was the impetus. Um, Now, patent law is not applicable in space. Uh, It it is from where you take off from. Okay, good. (laughs) Yeah, wow. so it's uh, if you were going to bring a plant to space to colonize, cannabis is certainly going to be one of them from a from a nutrient perspective, a medical perspective, and then on, on the the actual uh, material usage side, right? It's it's the strongest natural fiber. Uh, we're working with Lawrence Berkeley Labs uh, on scaling supercapacitors out of hemp fast fiber that performs at or better than uh, graphene capacitors at a fraction of the cost. So uh, we, we have applications there for actually powering rockets. And Dude, wait, space. there's going to be weed in space? I'm sorry, I want to back up. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, a company did just launch with SpaceX uh, uh, coffee and cannabis hemp uh, clones to look at how cannabis's genome changes on the International Space Station. So... Uh, there actually is cannabis in space as we speak. Oh, wow. So interesting. Um, guys, we, we're kind of at, a, at an end here. Any closing remarks from either one of you guys to our audience? And I just can't think you guys I just, enough today. Wait a minute. You, like, seriously, you, you've got a background on this shit? You're going to – you close on we – Weed in space. <laughs> what is a better weed in space? I love it. You can't beat it. You cannot you beat can't. it. It's the no. end of the show. That's what I said. The end of the show. Uh, well, 
Yeah, well, yeah. you have anything to say? You know, I, 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 guess I got note. you, Stephen. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a high note. Um, <laughs> no pun intended. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a blast, right? I mean, it's just, it really is a privilege to be able to uh, work with this plant and be part of something that is so monumental in terms of impact uh, on so many different sectors and to uh, just be part of the journey with, with amazing people. Um, I can't think of anything else I want to do when I wake up. So it's, it's just uh, a lot of fun and it's just the beginning. Yeah, I agree with everything Will said. It's really fun to watch this industry mature yeah. um, and, and really, you know, extend. It's just, inter- it's just super fun. It's an interesting time and the research is great. We're getting to ask questions out loud and in public like adults um, that we've not been able to do. <laughs> right. I mean, it's true. It's, it's true. It's so, I thank, I it's so appreciate it. You guys made some awesome points today and um, a huge fan of both you, uh, Will, as well as Stephen, read all your books. Um, and just I hope my audience can um, learn something from this and explore more on flow and cannabis. Uh, Will Clyden, founder and CEO of Ohio Energetics, and Stephen Kotler, executive director of Flow Research Collective. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Cutting Edge of Cannabis. You can download past episodes of our program by going to cannabisradio.com or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Will, Stephen, thank you so much today. Thank you. Sure. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.